hello! Welcome back to Loki's Librarian. If you are new here, welcome. I am your librarian, Katrina, and this is where I am reading through the enormous library books that you see behind me, and then I give you a quick synopsis and tell you what I think about them. So if you like books, just aren't sure what to read next, hit that subscribe button, like and share my videos, and let me know what you think in the comments. My eyes are watering today. I'm getting over a cold, and my sinuses are still, like, on me, so... Since we have five Sundays this month, I am kicking off with fiction, and this week's book was sent to me by the daughter of the author, which was exciting for me to know that somebody values my opinion enough to ask what I think about their work. So this week's book of the week is Consent by Ari H. Mendelssohn, and I truly hope I am not mispronouncing his name. Even though my kitchen is still in shambles, I am mixing up a Puppet Master cocktail for this week, which I hope the reasoning for that will become clear. The Puppet Master is one ounce of whiskey, a half ounce of coffee liqueur, and you top it off with hot coffee. So let's do this. Oh, my measurements are going to be a little eyeball-y since, again, my kitchen's a hot mess. I have a little plastic shot glass that I'll be using to measure out my ounces and all of that. We'll see how this goes. So this book is right in line with horror, not in the Monster Hunter International type of obvious with vampires and werewolves, but in the yes, I can 100% believe this is possible and what the hell do we do about it type of horror. Uh, even before getting into the book itself, Mendelssohn introduces us to the concept of consent, which, as he points out, is kind of bandied about a lot today in media in terms of informed consent, sexual consent, age of consent, but what is consent? Uh, apparently, and this is included in the book as well, Interest in the topic of consent actually peaked in the 18th century, like what it actually means to consent to something, right around the time the Founding Fathers were writing the uh, Constitution. You know, consent of the governed. And that is what he means in this book. Although there's certainly multiple levels to the word consent as it applies in this book. That's just one of them, the consent of the governed. But there's certainly um, sexual consent is an underlying theme, we'll say. <laughs> it's not directly pointed out, but man, it made my creep... Come on, open up. It made my, my creep meter go, oh, yuck. So the dictionary definition of consent is, quote, one person voluntarily agrees to the proposal or desires of another. But Mendelssohn takes it a, point, a step further, pointing out that this is a direct quote from, from the book, for, for, for Mendelssohn's book, for consent to be genuine, it must be given by a person who has a clear appreciation and understanding of the facts, implications, and future consequences of the proposed actions. So ponder that. Like, keep that meaning in your mind when you read this book. It's a good book. You should read it. This, while not part of the book, and is why so many are screaming about informed consent in conjunction with the vaccines, uh, the pandemic doesn't happen in his book, right? And he spells out, he's like, I've got enough challenges getting everybody together. In my world, the pandemic never happened. Totally fair. I'm down with that. But my personal opinion, this is why people are screaming about informed consent in conjunction with the, you know, the vaccines that were rushed through the FDA, because we don't know and won't know for many years all the side effects of that rushed medication. And so how can we, the people, have been informed of anything to give our consent? And an awful lot of Americans just blindly gave their consent without knowing the long-term implications based entirely on media and, more importantly, social media manipulation. That concept, the social media and media manipulation of data, is the overarching background of the book. Let's get this. 
via whiskey this week. Again, not sponsored, but it's toxic masculinity whiskey, which was given to me by my future brother-in-law and sister yesterday for my birthday. And uh, it also actually really fits the theme of the book, which you're going to find out in just a second. Now, Mendelssohn then goes on to address persuasion and what exactly it means to persuade. Again, a direct quote from the book. As persuasion becomes more effective, the persuader can convince others to do, think, say, or buy ever more of what he wants us to do, think, say, or buy. The will of the persuader counts for more and more. Our own will counts for less and less. Uh, persuasion is kissing cousins with manipulation. Um, according to one Quora post, and this is m more in line with what my understanding of the two is, uh, the difference is approach. Persuasion implies the speaker has enough respect to approach you directly and try and change your mind. Manipulation does not imply any such respect. Um, it's the difference between open debate between political candidates and an open forum, and the darker edge of social media wherein the people behind the algorithm decide what is good for us to hear, and so buries a story that runs counter to the message. And when that burying is done at the behest of a political class, that's manipulation. All right, let's see here. I'm going to assume, just like the red Solo cups, that the little lines mean something, and that little line is my half-ounce mark. I'm just going to say that's it. Before you know it, you're part of a larger cult of, quote, like-minded thinkers. Note, this can happen across the political spectrum. It's not limited to either political party. Both are just as susceptible to being manipulated by whoever is in charge of their favorite color. And that's it. A puppet master. Whiskey, coffee, liqueur, and coffee. Have you had my morning coffee? Let's see what happens. Congress in general has been working on figuring out how to manipulate we the people for decades. This is incidentally why all the attack ads are shown every campaign season. Everybody says, why don't they show what they're going to do for me? Why are they always attacking the other guy? It's because hope doesn't sell anything. All right? Hope that this guy is actually going to do what he says he does sells nothing. But fear... Fear sells. So they sell fear of what the other guy will do while downplaying their own candidate's evils. And generations of voting for the less, lesser evil have led Americans to a terrifying level of apathy where our elected officials are concerned. Mm. Coffee. Ease coffee. So with all of that as the author's intro and my own thoughts on the matters, what is this book actually about? Um... Well, it starts with tech giant Jerry Neville, who heads a social media conglomeration, fictional, obviously. Uh, he is a genius, but also a tech nerd. Only, unlike the tech nerds in the real world, i.e. the Mark Zuckerbergs, the Bill Gates, and the Elon Musks, who managed to find wives owing to have some actual character and personality of their own, Neville is so uncertain of his own ability to attract a woman on his own merit that he has written a dating algorithm that allows him to manipulate the woman of his dreams into falling in love for it, with him. Uh... So there's that, that underlying theme of consent, right? And he's pushed into ensuring that it actually works the way he believes it will by his Chinese backers who want to use his program to ensure 100% compliance with the government will among the Chinese people. Consent indeed. How can you consent if you don't know you're being manipulated? There's the underlying theme right there. How can you possibly consent if you don't know you're being manipulated? Mendelssohn succinctly lays out the problem China is having in achieving 100% compliance, namely that there are always those people who can manage to see past the manipulation and eventually snap out of the trance of government control. And those they must send to re-education camps, but usually not before 
those who have snapped out of it have managed to infect others with their doubts. Now, the perennial problem of dictators, how to erase all doubt. China actually effectively, quite effectively did it under Mao Zedong with the, their re-education camps are very effective. Total aside, uh, this week, because I had time, this was a very fast read. I read it in about three days. I also had a chance to read J.K. Rowling, excuse me, Robert Galbraith's latest book, uh, The Running Grave. The main bad guy was a cult. It was fabulously done. Highly recommend. Not the topic of this book. China wants to do away with their re-education camps, not because they are inherently bad, but because they don't think they should have to re-educate anyone. People should just see that the government is the best and want to do their part. So they're looking for 100% manipulation and control of their people. And in opposition to this plan, although they don't seem to know it yet, are several reporters, or mainly one reporter, and then he has like his backup team, essentially. So Jonathan Hall is the main reporter. And he doesn't even seem to realize what pot he stepped in, at least not yet. Uh, As near as I can tell, he hasn't stepped in anything yet. I I mean, he kind of has a hint, right? He, He seems to hint that there's manipulation going on with the social medias, but not... I don't think he knows the effect that it's being used, at least not yet. And he's just trying to do what reporters should do, which is to investigate a story and present the facts as they find them. And where book one of what I believe is the two-part series, yes, it is actually a two-part series because I looked it up, um, leaves off is Hall is under arrest, although we're not told what he's under arrest for. I mean, it's, it's a, a misdemeanor of some sort. We get that from conversation of the arresting parties. Or, or the arresting officials, I guess, but not what exactly that misdemeanor is yet. And you almost get the sense that from book one, that if Neville had just left Hall alone, what's about to come would never have happened because Hall would have had no reason to go looking for it. I mean, I could be wrong. I haven't read book two yet, but that's just kind of a sense I get. Like, Neville's so obsessed with being the guy in charge of everything that he puts his own neck on the chopping block. And I have a feeling Hall is going to swing an axe, and I really, really hope he does in book two, but I haven't read book two yet to know for sure. So it could also end in a depressing denouement because social media is kind of here to stay. I don't see it going away anytime soon. Um, okay, that's all speculation. I don't know yet. And I'm not, like I said, I'm not even sure Neville's going down other than he's obviously the bad guy, and in fiction, at least, the good guys still win. While Mendelssohn has obviously changed the names in the book of the organization involved to avoid litigious dirtbags in the real world, I can see exactly which news stories he's pulling from as he weaves his narrative. At least I think I do. Uh, Some of them only hit the periphery of my radar because I actually do try to avoid social media, generally speaking. I like Instagram, I like the cat pictures, but you know, that's me. But many I recognized as being Project Veritas. Uh, at least it was before James O'Keefe was ousted and formed O'Keefe Media Group. So I'm keen to see which news story he's actually citing, which he promises to do in the final book of the series, along with other books that inspired his story. I, I, I really like this one. I'm, I'm eager to read book two. I just can't squish it into my review schedule until next year at this point. It was fast-paced. I think I, I read it in about three days. It was entirely ominous because it was so believable. You could absolutely see this happening. It's horrifying, especially, especially with release of the Twitter files last year when we know just how much the social media algorithms were tailored to sell a specific story. And it's entirely believable that algorithms could be manipulated to elicit the sort of response that China is looking for and which Neville achieved with his love interest. It, it, 100% believable. I could see it. But he foreshadowed several points in regards to the main love interest in the book. It's actress Megan Peters. One, would Peters 
have ever been attracted to Neville without his algorithmic persuasion. Right? And how's he going to handle that? Because one would think no, because it's obviously so dirty-handed, like, underhanded the way he did it, the way he, he wormed his way into our life. One would think no, but is it because of the manipulation itself? Is it because Neville is just such a bad guy? I mean, he's just so disgusting the way he did that. Um, that's foreshadowed. We won't know the answer until book two. Um, she has a brief interaction with Hall at a convention at the end of book one that I think is going to be the catalyst opening her eyes. And then the fatal flaw in Neville's programming is that you have to be online for it to work. And I mean online like all the time. Not just like we joke about kids these days and their social media addiction, but like mom's iPhone from Futurama all the time. Say, you're from one of those ethnicities that knows about technology. Why is it called an iPhone? I'll explain after I install it. <laughs> Neat. Now for the earpiece. Now, none of that foreshadowing, like I said, pans out in book one, which means you have to read book two to see how it all ends. Uh, if I didn't know book two was already written and available, I'd be scared Mendelssohn was doing a George R. R. Martin and just leaving us on a hip cliffhanger for the better part of a decade. I mean, even after the TV series actually ended, Martin still hasn't written the final installment of A Song of Ice and Fire. Not to worry, though, there are only two books in Mendelssohn's Kingmaker series. I'm sure all questions are answered in book two, which is called Due Process. I very much liked how he doesn't bog you down in minutiae. He tells the story over several years, uh, but always telling you in the chapter heading exactly when in the timeline these events take place. So there's no guessing involved on when the story is occurring. And the spacing makes more sense than having all of these happen over a really short span of time. I, I get that the, in fiction, they're like, you know, it, it's it's like um, that, that show 24, or it's, you know, hour 10, hour 11, and they're, you know, it's to build up this, this sense of... Um, impending doom and urgency. It's not needed here because social media was a slow creeping horror. If you think about it, I mean, it started out in what, 2004, we had MySpace, Friendster, 2008, Facebook hit the scene and we didn't realize just how pervasive this was going to become right away. It took time to build up to these juggernauts and, and to, for people to realize just how toxic and horrifying social media is. So it makes sense that the story develops over a period of time. And also relationships, even ones that occur as a direct result of manipulation. These occur over a period of time. They don't, I mean, the, the, the Disney trope of love at first sight, which is about the only thing I liked about the movie Frozen, was, was um, Elsa saying, you can't possibly be in love with him, you just met him. I'm like, thank you. <laughs> thank you, Disney. I, mean, I rarely agree. I absolutely hated that movie, but that was one good point out of it. So when it, the horror is long-lasting when it's over several years is the point of that long-winded ramble, especially for Peters, given that she was manipulated into a relationship she might not otherwise have had an interest in. My biggest foreshadowing dread, though, and I, I, I'm like, it's like hurting my heart. I'm going, oh, man, don't do this. <laughs> Hall's friend, Kevin, his, his friend, and I don't want to say sidekick, but it, it's been his... Um, uh, like tech guru who, who's helped him out with, with some of his postings who worked very hard and is on the brink of enjoying the fruits of hard labor. And I have a feeling Neville is about to do something genuinely awful. That's going to derail that. And I'm dreading finding out if I'm right. Cause I was like, Oh, Kevin, I was so proud of you, man. 
it's not, it's not going to end well for Kevin, I feel. I'm very sad about this. <laughs> now, as you know, that's all I'm going to say there. When I review fiction, I get very circumspect because I don't want to give away so much of the story that you don't feel you need to read the book yourself. I left out some of the very key players, um, namely, I'm going to mispronounce this, Mei Hua Chang, who is a Chinese spy. I'm reading that from the back of the book. I left her out of here. She's, she's an important contributor. And I could see where she's uh, She's important because I think that what's going to happen to Kevin, actually I know what's going to happen to Kevin is a direct result of her spying. And she's effective. Don't get me wrong. And I also know exactly what news story that was pulled from. Exactly what news story that was pulled from. Anybody who's read the newspaper knows what story that's pulled from because that was pretty big news, actually. And uh, she's a very effective honey trap. If you don't know what that is, go look up Honey Trap. The, the, we use them too, don't get me wrong. I mean, we like to pretend like we've never ever done anything so down and dirty as sending in a spy to elicit information using sex, but I think the only thing older than spying is sex. So, <laughs> yeah, the Honey Traps have been in existence as long as espionage has. And she's good at it. Give her that. She's very good at it. Okay, I've derailed enough. I kind of rambled a bit here because I am getting over a cold. But I really enjoyed this one. I, I, uh, I enjoyed my trip through Mendelssohn's world. I will be getting book two to see how it all ends because now I just got to know, <laughs> which is always the hallmark of a good book. You got to know what happens next. So, uh, yeah, highly recommend. Consent, Ari Mendelssohn, part one of the Kingmaker series. I will see you guys next week. Bye.